Welcome to the Jeff Cavins Show, where we talk about the Bible, discipleship, and evangelization, putting it all together and living as activated disciples. This is show 272, On Earth As It Is In Heaven, with Father Josh Johnson. Thanks for joining me again this week. I'm Jeff Cavins, and on this show, every week we talk about discipleship, we talk about scripture, we talk about walking with the Lord, and I cannot think of a better time to talk about walking with the Lord than the times that you are living in, the times that I'm living in. A lot of people are saying that it's it's kind of crazy, you know, with so much going on, it, it has a tendency to take us away from the things that are really important in our life, which is, is really walking with Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to bring on a very good friend of mine, Father Josh Johnson. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind you that on every single show, we do have show notes, and we would encourage you to get those show notes. All you got to do is text my name, one name, Jeff Cavins, and the number is 33777, and we'll get onto those show notes. You know, my life has been kind of out there. Um, I've been involved in ministry for over 40 years now, and I was, uh, if you followed, I was a pastor, and I left the Catholic Church and came back to the Catholic Church, and uh, involved in television, radio, podcasting, books on conferences and all that type of thing. And one of the things that I mention quite often is my family. As you know, I love my wife, Emily, and I have three beautiful girls. And uh, I also have three grandchildren. And I, I just love my family so much. One of the things that's a little bit different about my family is that two of my three daughters are African-American. And that, you could do a whole show just on that and what people ask me. And uh, it's a beautiful, it's just beautiful. And I, I love all of my girls uh, so much. But one of the things that I have been aware of as an, a white American Catholic is uh, the absence of African-Americans, oftentimes in the parishes that we attend. And naturally, that brought up questions in my daughter's minds as to what is the Catholic Church? What does it mean to be Catholic? Is there anybody like me? And so Father and I have been talking about this for quite some time now, about race and about restoring God's vision in the church. And I got to tell you, he's done a remarkable job and I don't know of anybody else in the church today that can talk about it with such love and such authority and insight as Father Josh Johnson. So he hails from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He is the man who invented crawfish boils. And I want to welcome him to the Jeff Caven Show. Father Josh, good to have you. What's up, Jeff? It's so good to see your face again, man. <laughs> it's good to see you too. You know, before we get into the the whole topic of this, how did you come up with the idea of crawfish boils in the first place? Me and the father were talking, the God the Father, we were talking one day and and he just inspired me in prayer to to go out and to dig in the mud and to start boiling crawfish. <laughs> Okay, I think we're going to do a different show on that, but it does sound interesting, and I I appreciate your your zeal, my honesty. Yeah, mm-hmm. you probably should tell John, uh, Chef John False that you're friends with him down in Baton Rouge, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm friends with him. Yeah, as are you. Yes, and Sister Dulcie. Lots of good things are happening down in Baton Rouge, and uh, oh, I was just down Jeff, there. Not by the way, I got me. the parish. Remember the parish I was telling you? I thought I was going to go to the Bishop yeah. assigned me there. It's the Sacred Heart of Jesus oh, Church and School. 
And, uh, and I'm so excited. So you, next time you come, I need you to also come uh, visit the, the parish as well and come walk throughout the neighborhood with me. Oh, I would, I would love to do that. And I, I want to hear a little bit more about the parish in, in a moment. But um, for those of, of, of my listeners, I, Father Josh, I have somewhere under 1.3 million listeners. And uh, for most of them, or for many of them, they're, they're not really acquainted with you, you know, as far as all of your background. So tell us a little bit about, about yourself and a little bit about your story and how you became a Catholic priest. Yeah, so I uh, grew up here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My dad is Methodist, my mom's Catholic. And growing up, I didn't know Jesus. Uh, I was sacramentalized, uh, but I was not evangelized. And so I left the Catholic church like you did in high school. And uh, the summer before my senior year in high school, a friend of mine, she kept inviting me to a Steubenville conference. And I reluctantly said yes. And I went to this Steubenville conference on June 26, 2004, and at 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night in Alexandria, Louisiana, Bishop Sam Jacobs exposed Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament for adoration. I didn't believe in the Eucharist. I thought the Eucharist was a piece of bread. But whenever he came to me, he processed out the crowd of about 5,000 teenagers, came face to face with me, um, with, the, with the Lord. I received the grace to believe that this is God. And, and this is the one who I have been looking for my entire life. And I knew at that moment, in prayer that I wanted to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And I asked him what his will was for me. And the first words I perceived from the Lord during that time of prayer were, I love you. Not I used to love you um, mm. before he began to live this life of sin because I was living in mortal sin. Or not I'm gonna love you once you go to confession, but I see you and all your mess and all your brokenness and I love you. And that love pierced my heart and I wanted more, I wanted more. Also at that time, the idea of the priesthood came in my mind as well. And I did not like that idea because again, I didn't want to be Catholic before this conference, uh, but I began to go to adoration every day. I began to spend time with Jesus Christ in an adoration chapel and my diocese, and I fell in love with Jesus. And I never desired to be a priest, but I kept thinking about the priesthood and I kept perceiving that the Lord was inviting me to give it a shot. And so because he fulfilled me, because he made me happy, uh, I decided that I was going to go to seminary to make God happy. Not because I wanted to be a priest, but just to make him happy. And I went to seminary, and eventually after being in seminary, uh, I, I fell in love with this vocation of the priesthood. And I was ordained to the priesthood eight years ago. And, and so for the past eight years, I've been a pastor, I've been a vocation director, I've been a proker vicar, campus minister, chaplain, um, and I've written a bunch of books with Ascension and done a bunch of stuff with you and your family. And, uh, and I've just... I'm more in love with the Lord. You and I were saying before the break how much in love with Jesus Christ you are in this season of your life, how you're more in love now than ever. And yeah, it's just the same uh, for me. I, I just, mm. I can't get enough of the Lord. And I, I'm particularly excited in this new season of, of my priesthood because I was in Assisi on a pilgrimage during Holy Week of this past year, and which was a huge gift because I'm never gonna get that opportunity again as a priest because I'm gonna have a, always be with the parish, but this year I was a full-time vocation director. So I was able to go with some of my seminarians to CC. And on Holy Saturday, here's a little secret. Most priests on Holy Saturday, we keep the Blessed Sacrament in our rectory. So I've never gone a day without the Eucharist. Whereas the lay people going to a church, the tabernacle is empty uh, and they hunger and they long for the Lord. I've always had him with me. <laughs> and so this is my first time as a priest going to a church on Holy Saturday and realizing that I couldn't go back to my rectory to hang out with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And I, I ached, oh. it was so painful. And I didn't expect to ache because I knew I was, I was gonna celebrate mass that night, but it, 
it hurt me to not be with the Lord because I just love him so much. And so I went into the into the the forest where St. Francis of Assisi established his first hermitages. And I brought the Bible and it was so beautiful because the word of God was so consoling just to, I, I was, it's like Psalm, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the, the person, the man who meditates on the law, law of the Lord day and night. And so I was just meditating on the law of the Lord, the word of God and the Bible. And he did console me. Mm-hmm particularly through the Song of Songs, uh, where uh, the, the bride said to her about her bridegroom, have you seen him, the one who I love? And I, I felt like that. I was like, I'm looking for Jesus. Well, then I was drawn to First Kings, and particularly whenever Elijah could not, pre- uh, the, the earthquake came and the storms came, the winds came, and, and the Lord's like, but I'm not in the earthquake, I'm not in the storm, I'm not in the winds. And I just perceived Jesus say to me, and I always say perceive because I'm not infallible, but I perceived him say, Josh, in this upcoming season of your priesthood, Though I am in the Eucharist, you're not going to perceive my presence in the Blessed Sacrament. So still do a holy hour every day, but like, just don't expect to perceive my presence. And though I'm in the Word, sure. don't expect to perceive my presence there. I, I perceive the Lord say, Josh, in this upcoming season of your priesthood, you're going to perceive me in the poor who live in the geographical boundaries of your community, wow. of your parish that you're going to be assigned to. Now, at this point, uh, and, he, and he said, Sacred Heart. At this point, my bishop had that assignment of Sacred Heart. So I was like, ooh, can I trust my prayer? Because what if it's wrong? What if I don't go to Sacred Heart? But anyways, a few weeks later, the bishop called me, told me I was going to Sacred Heart. So I was like, oh, good confirmation. So I'm just really excited in this new season. What's because different about Sacred Heart? I, I know you were down in um, Holy you were down in another church. Yes, I was. I was yes, like, oh, and I was yeah. actually there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you did an incredible job down there. I mean, you really did. You set up uh, food. You set up barbershop. You set up uh, all kinds of help for people. You did an amazing job. And I have to say that when I went to your your parish down there, I was blown away because when I walked in there, there were pictures of saints that looked quite different than the pictures of saints at my parish. Yes. You know what I mean? Go ahead and tell me a little bit about that. And then tell me about the, the place you're going. So Holy Ro- Holy Rosary was where I was at as pastor for four years, and it was flooded a number of years ago. And so we prayed together as a team of disciples. Prayer precedes everything. And the fruit of our prayer was we discerned that the Lord was inviting us to restore certain buildings on our campus and use them for the poor. And so mm-hmm. we we created this cafe called the Fuller Grace Cafe, which was a barbershop and a coffee shop. And we had lunch and dinner and a pregnancy center and a diaper bank. And we did Bible studies in there and counselors. And it was a- amazing. And the fruit of that work, that, that was made up of the body of Christ in the community um, was that all these people who left the church came back to the sacraments. All these people came back to Jesus Christ in confession and baptism and RCA. And so we had huge RCA programs and it was all because of this work we were doing for the poor, which was the fruit of our prayer. Um, and we put up diverse images of saints in the church and in the cafe. That way, whenever people came to our church or when they came to our cafe, they would see saints who looked like them or had similar stories. So you had St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. You have St. Josephine Bakita and St. Martin de Porres. You have St. Kateri Tekakwitha. Uh, we had saints who were young, who were old, who were single, who were married, who were, who were nuns, who were priests, who were brothers. Uh, all these different saints of these different backgrounds so that everyone felt like I'm represented in the body of Christ in heaven and I have the capacity to be a saint. And so mm-hmm. that's been the, the particular message I believe the Lord has given me is to, to give the church canonizable saints uh, in gratitude for him calling me to be a priest. And so just... I would just say this, when, I, when it comes to Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart's in the heart of Baton Rouge, um, and it's right next to the bus station. Uh, a few blocks the other down the other street is a woman's shelter and soup kitchen um, run by Mother Teresa's nuns. A few blocks this other way is a, 
big homeless shelter and soup kitchen for our diocese. So you can imagine the uh, the neighborhood that surrounds the parish uh, is is very poor. So I'm just going to say, when I get to Sacred Heart, we're going to pray. That's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to pray before the Blessed Sacrament with the staff and with the school and with the teachers and the students and the registered parishioners and with our neighbors. And I'm pretty sure the Lord Jesus Christ is going to inspire us to do something really beautiful in that community to draw people to uh, to Jesus Christ in the sacraments uh, through our uh, proximity to the people in that in that community um, by ministering to the to the poorest of the poor. Uh, it's if, if we want to see supernatural fruit, Jeff, it's so simple. All we have to do is get close to the, to, to the Blessed Sacrament, get close to the Bible, and get very close to the poor, and everything else comes from that. Right. It just flows, and so it's very simple. Amen. Amen to that. I, you know, uh, just just for a moment, let me just say something to my good friends who are with me every week here. I got to tell you that uh, Father Josh is one of my best friends, and I don't I don't say that. I've never said that about anybody I, except Emily. I think, but he really is. He's one of my best friends in the in the world, and I appreciate his heart for the poor, his heart for uh, the Lord. And uh, we've spent a lot of time together, and I am very impressed with his zeal for wanting people to know uh, Jesus. So with that in uh, you know, said, Father, you are an African-American priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have two girls who are African-American, and I have learned long ago that there is no point in me saying, I know where you are at in uh, in what they experience in the church, what they experience uh, in the world. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to tell a lot of us and who may not be African-American, what is the experience of an African-American in the United States in the Catholic Church? What have you discovered? Yeah, and it would be different for everybody because we're all individual people with unique histories and experiences and and stories. And so I'll give you a a general um, experience that I hear whenever I travel the nation speaking on this topic of race and discipleship. And many um, Black Catholics, many African-Americans, they feel like they don't have a place in the church. Um, They they feel like the church doesn't care about them, um, that the church never reaches out to them to invite them to have a seat at the table. And they say this because that's been their experience. They go to church and no one talks to them after mass and no one invites them to Bible study. And they're never invited to the married couples retreats or to pilgrimages or mission trips or rosary groups or uh, RCIA. They're, they're typically feeling like they're being ignored, like they're unimportant across the board. And what all Catholics can do is when you examine your churches, And when you examine your Bible studies and when you examine your adoration chapels and when you examine your rosary groups, like look and see who's there and then look and see who's not there. And if you can honestly say that my Bible study doesn't have a single black person, but there are black people who live in the geographical boundaries of my parish. If you can honestly say that when I go to adoration, I never see a black person. When I look at the RCA class of 2022, I didn't have a black person in there. When I look at the pew in front of me, beside me, behind me, there's not a black person there then you know who the Holy Spirit's inviting you to go out and invite. Simply invite them to have a seat at the table because the Eucharist is God. The Eucharist is Jesus. And if we have this great gift of being proximate to the body and blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, then how can we not be inspired and motivated and zealous about inviting 
everybody that we work with and go to school with and live in, in the, the neighborhoods of and see on the streets to just come and meet them, come and see them face to face and trust that when we do invite people, that Jesus is God, that Jesus Christ is God and that he can do more with a simple invitation to sit in his presence in the Blessed Sacrament, to, to visit the tabernacle than we could ever imagine. So, yeah, well, I do want to, I do want to talk about your new book, Reconciling the Body, the Body of Christ. It's actually called On Earth As It Is in Heaven, Restoring God's Vision of Race and Discipleship. But you, you've been talking a lot about reconciling the body of Christ. Before we get into those, those topics there, uh, I need you to comment on what in the heck is going on in the country right now? What, you know what I mean by that? There's just so much going on. And with your insight, what, what's happening and what is God saying? God is saying that we are not imitating Jesus right now, right? Jesus Christ mm. was proximate to people. He got very close to them. And if you look at the, the, the racial act of terrorism that happened in Buffalo recently, one of the things that the young man who, who murdered the 10 African-Americans in that grocery store said was that he didn't know black people. He, he, he wasn't close to any black people. And so because of that, he had a stereotypes of black people and he had prejudiced feelings towards black people. And then he committed this, this terrible um, act against black people because he wasn't close to them. Mm -hmm. what, we, what we must do as church is we must get close to our neighbors. And we must encourage our people to get close to their neighbors, to get close to people who live within the geographical boundaries of their communities. If we are not proximate to people, then fear, which as you say in your Walking Toward Eternity series, fear is false evidence that appears to be real, um, it will creep in. And fear will breed distance and we will not be close. And then we will believe all these lies and we will act based on lies about other people. So it's as simple as doing what Jesus Christ did, Jeff, and getting really close to other people, right? Investing right. life in other right. people. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Father, I want to get into the, uh, the book, On Earth As It Is in Heaven, Restoring God's Vision of Race and Discipleship. And I would just say to you, my friend listening, uh, if you know of someone who either struggles with this whole issue or has questions about this issue, pass this on, pass this on to them and do, do me a favor, get them a copy of the book. And maybe you can have even a study in your church about this as a launching point to do something about it. Because I think that reaching out and extending the love of Christ in the body of Christ being restored is going to be one of the greatest witnesses to the world if we love one another. So, you know, C.S. Lewis said one time that uh, he said that he wondered why Jesus uh, said, by this they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He thought it was kind of risky that Jesus would actually give the world permission to make a judgment about him based on our love for one another. And I thought that was an interesting insight of C.S. Lewis. And we'll get back to that in a moment. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Are you ready to know St. Joseph in a personal way? Father Mark Toops, adjunct faculty member for the Institute for Priestly Formation and presenter of Rejoice and Oremus, brings you In St. Joseph's Footsteps, 30 Days of Meditations. It may be daunting or challenging to get to know St. Joseph, but through In St. Joseph's footsteps, 
you will not only get to know St. Joseph, but the Holy Family as well. Walk with St. Joseph through 30 days of meditations using St. Ignatius of Loyola's imaginative prayer. From the betrothal of St. Joseph to Mary, to the presentation, and more, you will walk through major moments in St. Joseph's life. To learn more about In St. Joseph's Footsteps, 30 Days of Meditations, go to ascensionpress.com forward slash Joseph. We're back with Father Josh Johnson, all the way from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, one of my very good friends. We're talking about uh, race relations and uh, his new book, On Earth As It Is in Heaven, Restoring God's Vision of Race and Discipleship. You and I talked a lot about this. Uh, we went on a trip to Poland together Yeah, about, what, three years ago? So, yeah, before something COVID. Like that. that was wasn't that incredible? That was an awesome trip. Yeah, that really that really opened my eyes up to uh, Sister Faustina and uh, Auschwitz and Pope John Paul II. And I can't help but believe that if John Paul II were here right now, he would be continuing to talk about this particular issue that yeah. we are we are facing. Which, today. as Holy Father, when he was alive, he. He spoke about it often. Um, when he came to America, he spoke about racism quite often, and so um, and as has Pope Francis. And so, but I think it's a great gift that we have a saint in the Catholic Church who was a pope who who um, spoke about racism in the United States of America and how it's dividing the body of Christ. So, tell me a little bit about the writing of this book, the process you you went through. If my listeners haven't written a book, they they you have to know it is not easy. To write a book, it is very, very hard. How did you? How do? How was the process for you? This was a six-year process. It took me six years, and this is actually the very first book I've ever written. All the other books came after this one, and I've just been editing it and re-editing it and re-editing it. Um, So it's been a lot of time in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. A lot of time uh, has been spent diving into Scripture because I believe that within Scripture we will find a foundation for. cultivating unity in the body of Christ and uh, finding the answers to fight against racism in the USA. Uh, a lot of research into history. I, I, I delved into so much history, um, visited plantations, visited museums, uh, listened to people, stories, read the lives of the saints. And, um, and then six years after all that writing, the book kind of finally came out. What's your main point in the book? If you were on your elevator pitch, what would you say? If someone said, hey, I heard you write a, wrote a book, what was it about? Yeah, so the book is ultimately about John's vision of heaven. In the book of Revelation, John saw heaven, and he saw people of every race, nation, tribe, and tongue. And uh, the invitation is for us to make our churches on earth look like the church in heaven. And if we're honest with ourselves, right now, many of our churches on earth do not look like the church in heaven. Dr. MLK said uh, many years ago, it's the greatest tragedy in America today is that uh, the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday morning. And so until our churches on earth look like the church in heaven, the heart of Jesus Christ will not be consoled. So if we want to console his heart, let's go out and do the work mm-hmm. to bring all people uh, together in Christ Jesus. Before we look at some of the practical aspects of on earth as it is in, in heaven, I've got to ask you a question that I've heard from people. And uh, I've got I've got one foot in both communities, so to speak, you know, so I, I, I guess I see, I see life a little bit differently than maybe a lot of people because two of my daughters are African-American. But what I do hear from people out there, Father, is that, hey, 
Jeff, with all the political correctness going on in the world right now, and I'm not sure uh, how people uh, self-identify, which is a big thing now, um, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. I'm af- I don't even know how to talk to people that are different than me because I'm afraid I'm afraid that I'm going to say something. Who knows? I could even get canceled, you know? You know what I'm talking about with this mm-hmm. basic fear that people have. Number 1, do you hear that? Number 2, what's your suggestion? It, one, I do hear. Two, where is that fear coming from? The fear is coming from who? Satan, the enemy. Right, the enemy. I mean, mm-hmm. fear is not of the Lord. Do not be afraid is what the word of God says. And so my encouragement is for people to invest in more time of prayer so that way they can listen to the Father, speak to them in the word of God. And, and the Father speak to them through Jesus Christ, who said in scripture, go out and make disciples of all nations. The word nations is translated from the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnicities. And so Jesus Christ is saying, go do it. And so if he says, go do it, then we have to do it. Just like he says, uh, we have to feed the poor and give drink to the thirsty. Uh, he says, go make disciples of authenticities. And so am I going to listen to Satan's voice that's speaking lies into my head and, and causing fear? Or am I going to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ, who is very clear? Mm-hmm. And he says, all ethnicities. And that's what the apostles did in Acts 2 when they received the Holy Spirit. They went out to all people. And it wasn't yeah. easy. And they were persecuted. And so if we're persecuted, isn't that what happened to the saints? Weren't the saints martyred for saying the wrong thing at times? Uh, Yeah, okay, so if you get martyred, you're going to be a saint. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a saint. And so um, you can obviously study and you can read books and you can learn things that you don't know, but you're probably going to say the wrong thing because you're not perfect. You're not, you're not, um, you are the body of Christ, but you're not Jesus Christ uh, fully. So you're going to mess up. And so you have to get over your pride and be open to, to making mistakes and being corrected because we're all in need of continual reformation in our walk toward eternity. I make mistakes all the time. I say the wrong thing and I go back and I apologize and I repent and I try to make it right. And so, but I don't allow the possibility of making mistakes prevent me from sharing the joy of the gospel. Right. I I like what you're saying. And that is, you know, scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. If you walk in love, you don't have to worry about fear. And love shows, love comes to the surface. And I think most people can, they can detect love in you when you approach them and you are sincere and you and you love them and your goal is to bring people to Christ and reconciliation in the body of Christ. But here's here's one of the things I want to really caution people about and that is your book is very good and your book is very practical and very concrete. And one of the tendencies that I have seen in the body of Christ is that books can become entertainment or we can become knowledge hoarders. In other words, we've got all kinds of books. We really love them. We got CDs. We watch television. We listen to radio and so forth, podcasts, and we move on to the next one. But we don't actually do what we read. It was Mm. like, oh, Father Josh wrote a cool book. You should get it. Why should I get it? Because it's a cool book. You want something more than a cool book, don't you? Yeah, I want people to be inspired to to console the heart of Jesus by fulfilling the Great Commission, to to go out to the people in their neighborhood uh, and invite people to Jesus. One of the things that uh, I did recently is I reached out to the staff at Sacred Heart and I said, can you please send me a map of the geographical boundaries of the land of Sacred Heart? 
so I can start praying over the whole neighborhood, all the neighborhoods that are in the boundaries of the Sacred Heart. There's some really rich neighborhoods, some really poor, some middle class in between. I want to pray for all the people. I want to know where the Lord is inviting me to go serve because canon law says that I am responsible for everybody who lives in the geographical boundaries, not just the registered Catholics, the the Baptists, the Protestants, the Muslims, the Hindus, the Jews, the atheists, the agnostics, the nuns, whoever, who I'm everybody who lives there. I'm called by the Holy Spirit to go out to, to them. And not only am I called to do that, but all of our parishioners who are registered are also called to do that. They're called to look at the map and say, what neighborhoods are in my boundaries? And then literally start praying for them first because prayer always precedes action. Pray for them, spend time in prayer with the Blessed Sacrament, with the Rosary, with Scripture, and then go out. Like literally look at your land and go there. Like a lot of times people spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on these like international mission trips, which I support. They are good. I'm all about the both end. But then they ignore the neighborhoods that surround their parish. I'm going to call to the both end. If you're going to go on a big international mission trip and you're going to spend $8,000 raising money to do that, then you should at least spend a few weeks in the neighborhoods around your church and go out to them, walk throughout them. And invite people to Jesus. That's what I was going to ask you to do. There's two there, to talk about. There's there's two things. One, what can the parish, the parish staff, the 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 priest, the deacons, the lay faithful, what can they do practically? What what can the the, the leadership of the church of the parish do practically here to get this going, to get the ball rolling in their particular uh, area? That's number one. What can the leadership do? So number one is, is when you go out to the neighborhoods as a priest, as religious, as DREs, youth ministers, like, uh, and meet your people who you're responsible for their salvation, get to know them, get to know the bride. It's like a relationship and find out what would be a conducive Bible study for your bride. Find out what would be conducive times for missions and for retreats and for RCIA. But get to know your people and your land and then invite them to participate in a small group Bible study. Why small group? Because that's pretty much what Jesus Christ did. Remember, the disciple is the one who imitates the master, imitates the teacher, right? And so we are invited to imitate the, the work of Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he focused on the 12 and within the 12, the three. And so we too can go out to our neighborhoods and just focus on three houses, are focused on 12 houses, and that's it for a season. And after you've cultivated a Bible study with them, then invite them to go and do a Bible study with 12 of their neighbors. And then they will do a Bible study with 12 of their neighbors. And all of a sudden, supernatural fruit happens. And all these people are doing Bible studies with people that they know because they go to school with them, they go to work with them, they grow up with them, and they're drawn into the church. Now, number two, when they're drawn to the church, Jeff, is, is, is the church going to be a welcoming environment for them? And this is where, where we have to look at our artwork and we have to look at our stained glass windows. We have to look at, mm-hmm. uh, we have to listen to our homilies. Are my homilies going to inspire them to want to stay? Am I going to preach about things that are relevant in their lives and apply them to the gospel? Or am I going to, to ignore what's happening in my, in my neighborhood, right? It, it, people, one of the gifts about parishes is they are rooted in the geographical boundaries. And so uh, I think one of the downfalls of, of, of doing like online masses is my online community, I can't talk about what's happening in my neighborhood because they're like, what, what neighborhood is, is, is Guardia or Valley Park or, or whatever? They don't know that because they're in California. But whenever we are rooted in our boundaries and we, we know what's happening, well, someone got shot at the grocery store that's in my boundaries, right? And so in my mass, I can offer up in the intercessions 
for that family who's suffering right now because they lost their loved one who just went to the, the grocery store and is now dead, right? So to make sure that the message that is being proclaimed from the pulpit um, is going to resonate with all the people in the land. Tell the stories of the diverse community of saints, St. Juan Diego, if you have Hispanic parish. Tell the story of, of St. Josephine Baquita if, if, if human sex trafficking is an issue in your parish. Uh, tell the story of St. John Paul II if uh, many people lost their mothers in that parish, or St. Martin de Porres if many people are fatherless in your community. Like Make it relatable. Use the saints, use the scriptures to draw them in and have artwork and statues and stained glass windows that... that uh, represent the community that you're serving. And when they come, invite them to participate then in, in leadership roles, pastoral council, finance council. Why? Well, because those are the councils that make decisions that affect where the parish is going to go. And if those voices aren't at the table, then sometimes really good people with really good hearts make really bad decisions that affect people negatively. And they didn't even intend to do it. But because they didn't listen to other people who it could potentially negatively affect, those voices weren't heard, then the kingdom of God is not, it's not established. It's not built. A civilization of love is not happening. So there, there are very simple things that we can all do. And then when we do this, Jeff, then we begin to collaborate with these brothers and sisters in Christ. We begin to pray with them, cultivate their charisms, their gifts, their resources, their talents. Then we could collaborate with them to address whatever issues are happening in the world, in society, because the church is supposed to transform the world. But unfortunately, we're living in a society right now where the world is having a bigger impact on the church than the church is having on the mm -hmm. world. And if we can come together with every member of the church, with every charism, with every insight, with every experience, with every, every gift and resource, then we can transform injustices, whether they are racial injustices or whether they are certain political injustices or whatever it might be, we can transform them because we're all working together as the one body of Christ. You know, you talk about working together and I love that. A uh, couple things. One is I, I hear you and you... I'm asking for, okay, what's the solution? And you're not giving me this sort of this social solution out there of step one, step two, step three. It's really getting back to the body of Christ. It's getting to loving Christ and serving Christ. And, and it's like, do what you're supposed to do. Just <laughs> do what you're supposed to do and it's gonna work out, you know? Yeah. The, the, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, because you hear it so often, but I wanna hear your response to it because um, white people oftentimes we'll say this, but I know enough in my own family, in my own uh, experience that it doesn't fly real well. And that's when I say to someone, I don't see color. Ooh, yeah. You've heard that? You've heard that before, oh, right? Oh, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming from a good hey, place. Hey, Father, I love you. It's love you. Yeah, I, I want you to know I don't see color. You yeah. know, <laughs> what do you think I'm saying? And what do you think the answer to that really is? And what, and what impact does that have on your your, your average African-American, you know, in the country. And, and that, he, I know it's coming from a good place. What, what they mean is I don't negatively judge people based on their color. That's what they're trying to say. But when you say I don't see color, um, I can I probably respond, I can tell because your Bible study is completely white <laughs> and your church's parish, a registered <laughs> parish is completely white. But I've seen your neighborhoods that surround your church and I've seen a lot of black people or Asians or Latinos. I, I've seen a lot of people of, of different ethnicities and they're not here. And the reason why is because you didn't see color. But when we do see color, we recognize who's here and who's not here. And whoever's not here, that's who the Lord wants us to simply go out and to invite. And so it does way more damage than good. Again, I think we should be a little bit more explicit in our words and say, 
father, I don't discriminate based on color. I don't right. have stereotypes that are negative based on colors. That's okay, that's cool. But to say I don't see it, you're saying I don't see something God created. God created you a man, Jeff. That's right. like me saying I don't see gender. No, I see gender. I see male and I see female. <laughs> right? I don't see age. No, I see age. And if there's an old lady walking, I'm going to accommodate her more than I'm going to accommodate a 21-year-old. Like I see age. I see gender. I see color. Um, and we should all see that. Yes. No, I, I, I love that. I think that that's uh, really good. You know, when some of my uh, the friends I have in family, when I would say, you know, something like that uh, for a discussion point, I, I don't say that. I don't say I don't see color. Um, because when I, well, I did a couple times. And the answer that I got back was, you don't see color, then you don't see me. Yeah. I, I am black. Why, what do you mean you don't see me? I see you, you're white, you know? And, and I think your answer was, was really, really good there. Uh, you know, and, and we're getting down to the end of this, but I do have one more uh, question because your book, you know, and looking through that and reading it, uh, you're very, you're, you're very, very big into the body of Christ and be, very big into what's going on in heaven. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of people in heaven, all kinds of colors in heaven and all kinds of backgrounds in heaven. But, you know, you and I are dealing today with a society that has almost a religion of radical individualism. Yeah radical individualism to where the new the new trinity is me myself and i and 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 the individual could stand up and say i am the truth i am the way i am the life and what you are saying in your book is no 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 we're getting back to family here yeah. and specifically the trinity right yeah we we absolutely we need each other we were created for communion we are created in the image of a God who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so I need you, Jeff, and, and you need me. And, and God has created us mm -hmm. in such a way that even uh, when we are baptized, he doesn't give me every gift and every, every supernatural charism. He only gives me a few. Because if I had every gift in the body of Christ, then I wouldn't need to work with you. I wouldn't need to collaborate. I wouldn't need to listen to you, to mm -hmm. pray with you. Uh, but because I've only been given two or three, I have to abide with you and in addition to you with everybody else. Because if I don't, it's kind of like, um, do you remember that show, which maybe it's not a great show, Power Rangers? Did your girls ever watch that growing yeah, up? Yeah, sure. All right, so mm -hmm. there's the different Power Rangers. The only way that um, that the big robot dude, whatever he's called, could like come, like it'd be like the, the, the red and pink and the blue, whatever they're called, I don't know. But with our powers combined, no, that's Captain Planet. But anyways, they would put all their things together, and then that's whenever the big robot would come and fight the big monsters. If any one of them wasn't together as a team, then the robot wouldn't come, and the monster would destroy mm -hmm. them. So they all had to link up together, even if they were mad at each other, even if they didn't understand each other, even if, if they didn't agree with each other, they knew they needed each other. And that's how it is in the church. Mm -hmm. There's many people with different personalities and different temperaments, um, different experiences. Some we're going to be naturally drawn to and others we're not. But regardless of whether I'm naturally drawn to you or not, I must abide with you. I must enter into an intentional relationship with you because if I don't, if I reject a member of the body of Christ on earth, then I'm rejecting Jesus Christ forever in heaven. There is no yeah. Jesus. There's no such thing as I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and not the body of Jesus Christ. With Jesus, it's all of Jesus or none of Jesus. Yeah, there's no, there's no taking Jesus to Vegas. You know? <laughs> he, uh, 
It's got to have the whole family there. That's right. That's that's re- that's really good. Okay, so let me ask you this one last one. As I like to, if I talk to someone, I want to ask you, what would you have said finally two minutes after we end this interview and you think to yourself, oh, I wanted to say that. What was that? I would just say the, the most important thing that I can always say is that uh, the very first mandate that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles after their ordination was to sit, watch, and pray. To sit, to watch, and to pray. And so I just want to really encourage our, our listeners um, to prioritize their relationship with Jesus because from our relationship with God, with Flora Ministry, St. Catherine Drexel was rooted in two hours of prayer a day. And the fruit of her prayer was all the beautiful works of racial justice that she did in the United States of America. Mother Teresa was also rooted in two hours before the Blessed Sacrament, and the fruit was all of her beautiful works that she did in Calcutta. John Paul II was also rooted in intentional time before the Blessed Sacrament, and the fruit was he took down communism. So the the greatest gift that you could offer me um, as my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ is to pray and to cultivate your relationship with Jesus and to trust that from your relationship with Jesus, he will inspire you with a particular work, the one thing he's inviting you to do. You can't do it all, but there's one thing he wants you to do to cultivate unity in the body of Christ. And the only way you're gonna know is if you do two things. One, if you pray, and two, if you buy my book at essentialpress.com. Uh, honor, I'm joking. You don't have to buy my book. You can just read no. the Bible. The Bible's enough. The I'm Bible in the is you. enough. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, where do they get your book? You know, And, and that is at ascensionpress.com, right? Yeah, so we have it at amazon.com and also on ascensionpress.com. Uh, if you go to ascensionpress.com slash on earth, you can find the book there. And if you go on amazon.com, type in on earth as it is in heaven, Father Josh Johnson, and you'll find it there as well. And you also have a podcast on Ascension. I, you know, I got a, I got an app the, just yesterday. I was looking at an app, and your your podcast is ranked pretty high. There's a lot of people listening to you. What's the name of your podcast, and where can people find it? Yeah, so the podcast is called Ask Father Josh, and you can find it on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and any other podcast formats. And then we have the uh, Ascension Presents YouTube show, a Q&A show, the Ask Father Josh show, and you can find that on YouTube. Uh, so, And then if you ever want to visit, come visit me at Sacred Heart in Baton Rouge. Oh, I know, and get a little crawfish. You know that um, you're going to do a great job at that parish. We're, we all we're all going to pray for you that, that God will use you in a in a powerful way. And I know your time is going to be precious, so you're not necessarily going to be flying around all over the place, you know, speaking yeah. here and there. But if people do want to get in touch with you in some way, we can put that contact information uh, in the show notes. Whether they want you to speak about your new book on Earth as it is in Heaven, or how to create a family oriented crawfish boil, I know you're open to both <laughs> that's, of those. That's, more, that's the most important thing <laughs> yes yes and i know that's your probably your next book in fact we might do that together because together. i do like crawfish boils mm. <laughs> father will you close us out and pray and pray these you know all the people that are joining us today are my friends we've been together now for years uh, we jog together we're in the car together we cook on the back porch together we uh, we just we're good friends and i, I would appreciate it if you would pray for the, for the people that, that participate in, in my show every week and, and pray for them regarding this topic that we, we've we been talking about. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Yeah, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you so much for inviting us into the homes of your beloved sons and daughters, for inviting us to participate with them on their walks or their jogs, or their runs while they're in the kitchen, at home, at work, in their car. What a gift it is to be with the people that you love so much, that you desire so much, that that you long for so much, Father, and you've invited us, me and Jeff, to be with them uh, for this time. 
We're so grateful. We're so grateful for them, for who they are in your eyes. God, I ask that you give them the grace to see themselves the way that you see them, to know themselves, that you know them, to love themselves the way that you love them. So that in receiving your gaze and your delight and receiving and perceiving your love, they can be inspired by your love, Father, to imitate Jesus Christ and to go out and share your love with everyone, with everyone who lives within the geographical boundaries, who works within the geographical boundaries, who studies within the geographical boundaries of their communities. May they be inspired by the witness of Jesus to be the hands and the feet and the voice and the eyes of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to share the love of Jesus Christ with their neighbors and to invite their neighbors and coworkers and classmates, to invite their family and their friends and even their enemies to encounter Jesus Christ in the blessed sacrament. Father, we trust that nothing is impossible for you and that you, you Father, through them, you can form a new generation of canonizable saints, that you through them can build up a civilization of love, that you through them can help their church communities look like the church that St. John, the beloved disciple saw in his vision of heaven people of every race, nation, tribe, and tongue. God, help all of us to console the heart of Jesus so that we can abide in this beautiful communion with Jesus and his spirit and you, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Sorry. Amen. Thank you, Father, so much for uh, for joining joining us today. And just a, a, a quick note, uh, a big thank you to the from the Propadudes. You were up here. Yeah, the Propadudes. Oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah. You spoke to our propodudics year, propodudes, we call them. That's the spiritual year. 16 of them. And they just loved listening to you. And they learned they learned so much. And I learned so much from them. So tell them thank you. I, I, I was so inspired by their witness and by Father Floater and by you. And thank you for your generosity. Um, and tell your daughters I love them as well, as well as your grandkids. I enjoyed sure. having pizza with y'all. And uh, yeah, y'all, really, <laughs> uh, Jeff is a great disciple of Jesus Christ and and what's beautiful about Jeff is that he is a disciple on camera and off camera, on stage and off stage. Uh, and I think that's a very beautiful gift for the church to have people like Jeff who are who are fulfilling the demands of discipleship. And he's, he's walking the walk. Um, so he's not just talking the talk. I know he talks a lot on the podcast, but he, he's living it and it's beautiful. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Speaking of talking a lot, my dear friends, I want to invite you also. Every single morning, I'm with you on Hallow. It's a, um, a cooperation with Ascension Press and Hallow. And I am uh, part of a team. Uh, Jonathan Rumi is reading the gospel every day. And then I come in with a devotion, five to seven minutes, try to make it practical, try to make it real, and um, you know, just digging down deep into the Word of God and trying to give you some fresh, some fresh bread every day. Not the Eucharist, but fresh bread. And uh, if you want to get in on that, you can go to hello.com forward slash Jeff Cavins. They give you, I believe, three months free just to, to try out a slice, see if you like it. All right, so I look forward to seeing you next week and talking to you next week. It's so good to be with you uh, every single week. And uh, write me. 
The Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. If you have any ideas, any questions, uh, any insights, anything you want to pass on to Father, just go ahead and do it. You have a great week. God bless. God bless.